Okay, uh, tonight's topic is King Yeshiyahu and the Unusual Grave. Um, starting with the Pasuk, we'll start with the Tanakh itself, and then we're going to see what it's all about. There's a Pasuk in Melachim Bey's Parak Gimel Pasuk Yud Zion, where we see, he, say, he sees Yeshiyahu is going through the whole Eretz Yisrael, destroying Avedizara, which we'll soon see why he did this, and he sees, and he's also destroying, and there was a prophecy, we'll soon see from Idoi Hanovi, hundreds of years earlier, some 300 and something years earlier, that King Yeshiyahu is going to destroy all the Avedizara, and all those who serve Avedizara, and rip people out of their graves. So we have over there, Vayoymer Mohat Sion Haloz Asherani Roya. He sees the most unusual grave, and he asks the people of the city, what is this unusual monument that I see? I've never seen such an unusual grave. I love and the people of the city tell him, This is the grave of the Navi who came from Yehuda. And he is the one who gave the prediction. This is the Novi, Idoi Hanovi, who 300 plus years earlier gave the prediction that King Yeshiyahu will destroy all the idols and will rip out all the idol worshipers from the graves. And he read all these things that you've done on the Mizbeach Beveskel. He is the one who predicted what you're going to do, burning all the idolaters on their graves. And it says the story continues that King Yeshio did not destroy that grave, which I will soon see why, because why would he even want to destroy it? Anyway, just to see Arashi, Mat Sion Halos, what was so unusual? Now, King Yeshio had gone through thousands of graves, and any grave of an idolater was ripped out. What was so unusual about this grave? So Rashi says, Ro Kaver, Mitsidayachot Kashmainim Vicharulim. One half of the grave was filled with thorns. And on the other half of the grave were growing myrtle branches, which smell wonderful and all kinds of spices. Half the grave looked terrible, thorns terrible, and half the grave looked amazing. And he's amazed. You know, it's, I've seen graves with spices. I've seen graves with thorns. But the mixture of the thorns and the spices very unusual, the Heshiva, and he gets an answer. So that's just before we start the shear, that's just the introduction about the unusual grave. What I would like to learn in tonight's shear, a few questions we would like to discuss. Number one, who was this King Yeshiyahu who went ripping out and burning graves of idol worshipers? Which graves did he burn? Why did he destroy these graves? We're going to learn about the prophecy of Idoi Hanovi. He is the one who prophesied over 300 years before Yeshiyahu that he is going to destroy these graves. What is the story of this unusual grave, which was spared? There were two people buried in one grave, literally buried, not just two people under one monument. They literally buried two people's bones literally next to each other. One is Idoi Hanavi, and one is the Novi Zokin, whose name is not mentioned in Tanakh. And then the question is, who was this Novi Zokin, who was an idolater who was buried in the same grave as one of our great Nevi'im? 
And who is this King Yeshio who's going and burning and destroying all these graves by the word of Hashem? And that's what I would like to cover tonight. The whole story of the unusual grave. Who was King Yeshio? In Malachim Beis, it says that King Yeshio was eight years old when he became king. He ruled for 31 years, which is quite interesting that a man who was such a tzaddik as Yeshio, uh, he only he became a king at eight and he ruled 31 years. So he dies at age 39, or more correctly, he was killed at age 39. Why somebody who's a tzaddik was killed so early, which is a story in itself. And on Tishabov, we have a whole thing about the death of King Yeshio, which we read on Tishabov. Vishem Imo Yedida Basadaya Mibotskas. That's the name of his mother. We have, uh, he did good in the eyes of Hashem and he went in the ways of David. When he saw Yom and Ismail, so King Yeshio did everything by the instruction of David. Then we have in Pasa Gimel, in the 18th year of King Yeshio, the king sent Shafon ben Atzaliyah ben Meshulam Asaifer. He sent him to the Beis Hamikdash and he tells him to go to Chilkiyo, the Kayin Godel, and get all the money from the Bedek Habayist. There's a special fund, a renovation fund for the Beis Hamikdash. The Beis Hamikdash is in major disrepair, and King Yeshiyahu undertakes a major renovation of the Beis Hamikdash. And they give the money to the Yaisei Hamalacha, to the workers, to Lechazek Bedek Habayist, to strengthen the work of the Beis Hamikdash. And we have Chilkiyo, the Kayin Godel, as they're going through the whole base Hamikdash, doing renovations, he suddenly tells Shofan HaSoifer, I found Sefer Torah Matsosi Beis Hashem. I found the Sefer Torah in the base Hamikdash. Now, not just a Sefer Torah, I'm sure there were a lot of Sefer Torah, but still I found the Sefer Torah and Chilkiyo gave this Sefer to Shofan and he read it. Now, Sefer Torah Matsosi, Rashi says it was Tomun Tachas Hanidbok. It was hidden under a row of stones, which was up high, more than 20 amis from the ground. And there are some rows of stones, and it was hidden between two rows of stones. There had been an ancestor, a great grand, a great great grandfather of King Yeshio, whose name was Ochaz, who just messed up the base Hamikdash and burned Sifrei Torah. And they hid this Sefer Torah. This was a very special Sefer Torah. And they hid it there when Ochaz burned the Torah. Or Mitzvah's David says, Sefer Torah Matsasi, he brings because Ochaz Sarafes HaTorah. Ochaz burned the Torah, as we say. So therefore, the Kayanim in the Beis Hamikdash in the time of Ochaz, they were afraid maybe he will also get this very special Sefer Torah. This was what was special about it. Asher Kosav, Moshe Mipi Hashem. Moshe wrote this Torah by the dictation of Hashem. This was not just a Sefer Torah, but this was the first Sefer Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu wrote. And therefore they didn't, King Ochaz was burning Sefer Torah. They did not want him to burn this original Sefer Torah. They took the special Sefer Torah of Moshe Rabbeinu, and they hid it. And in the whole 16 years of the rule of Ochaz, he never found it. After Ochaz died and his son Chizkiyo reopened the Beis HaMikdash, they searched for this Sefer Torah and they didn't find it. And when the Kayin was looking for the money, they were trying to get the money for the renovation. When they were trying to get the money for the renovation of the Beis HaMikdash, 
so they happened to find, looking for the money, they found the Sefer Torah. And when they found the Sefer Torah, it was rolled, they opened it up, and it was in the Parsha Teichotha, of the rebuke of the curses. And the opening, the first page of the Sefer Torah, it said, Hashem Hashem will take you and your king to exile. And because they had searched for the Sefer Torah and they didn't find it, and now when they found it, the Sefer Torah was open to such a negative pasuk. So he basically, Chukiyo HaKoyin says, I found the Sefer Torah, but it's very frightening what I opened into. And Mitzudah's David brings, he showed him what was written on the top of the page. He saw this as a sign to frighten the people. They should do teshuva. And Mitzudah's David brings by Yikra'u, they read it. They were in shock by the what was written on top of the page. And Shofan HaSefer says, gave me the Sefer Torah, he read it to the king. King Yeshio, here's the words of the Sefer Torah. He rips his garments, and in Perak Chav Gimel, King Yeshio makes a massive attempt to get the Jewish people to do Teshuvah. And in Perak Chav Gimel, uh, in Perak Chav Gimel, we have that King Yeshio, uh, he, gather, he sends and gathers all the elders of Yehuda and Yerushalayim. They all come together and they read what was written in the Sefer Torah at the top of that page. And the king, Yeshio, stands on the Amud, some pillar, and he makes a covenant that all the Jewish people will now keep Torah thoroughly with all their heart and soul to fulfill everything written in the Torah. Then skipping a number of psukim, we, read, we discussed a few weeks ago that King Yeshio put a lot of effort into a carbon Pesach. And there was an amazing Pesach in the days of King Yeshio, which we read on Pesach. It says, There had not been such a special uh, celebration of Pesach from the days of the Shoftim, all the days of the kings of Yehuda and Yisrael. There was a very special Pesach celebration in the days of Yeshio, which we read about in the Haftoidah. And we discussed this on Pesach. On the, we read in the Haftoidah on the first day of Pesach. It was in the 18th year of Yeshio that this Pesach happened. And then we say, and this is the end of the Haftoidah, the first day of Pesach. There had never been as great of a king before him. Who returned to Hashem with all his heart and with all his essence, like all the teachings of Meshe. Nor had there ever been a king as great as him before or after him. Now, according to what it says here, it sounds like Yeshio is a very special Baal Teshuvah. There's never been a king who did such a great Shuvah like King Yeshio. We have the Gemara in Shabbos, Tafnun Bavam at Beis, that says, Reb Shomer Achmeini brings the name of Reb Yonason, Kol Ha'omer Yeshio Chata Einoi Elatoya. Don't you think that Yeshio made him, he sinned. Yes, it says he did teshuva, but he never sinned. It says, He did good things. He always went in the ways of David. And even at eight years old, when he became a king, he was always a very special boy. So what does it mean? That there was never a king who did teshuva like him. 
It means that every single din that he judged from the eight, when he was eight years old till the 18th year of his kingdom, when he's age 26, all the din toidas he reviewed them all. When Chukiyo found the Sefer and he looked into the Sefer and he started studying very seriously, and he understood that there were a number of court cases that he judged and he understood he made a mistake and he gave him back. He redid these court cases. Now you may say you just took from this guy and gave the other one. So he's saying no, if he judged wrong, he paid the balance. Anybody who he felt he judged wrong, he paid himself from his own money. And that is why we say and the amazing teshuva of King Yeshio is making all these payments from his own money. Now we have in Pirka that Abi Eliezer, and there must be another 10 or so midrashim that have similar with slight variation, that King Yeshiyahu was already predicted and his name. Normally we give a name of a boy by his bris. We give a name of a girl when she's born, when we read the Torah. King Yeshiyahu was given his name more than 300 years before his birth. And there were six people, Shishon, Nikru, there are six people who got their names before they're born. Yitzchak says that you'll call his name Yitzchak, Yishmael, Hashem predicts the name Meishe Rabbeinu, Shlomoi, we have a Nevoah of Nasranavi and Yeshio. And Shmeisho Mashiach that Hashem is going to bring is also mentioned in advance. Now, then we have Pirkei Drebbe Lezer continues, Yeshiyahu Minayin, how do we know that King Yeshiyahu his name was given by Hashem in advance. Shenemar, it says a posik. There's a prophecy of Ido Yanovi. There's going to be a son born to the house of David. Now, what is the significance? Hashem says the name of this kid when he's born should be Yoshiyahu. By the way, just to mention his father and mother who called him Yoshiyahu didn't know of prophecies and didn't care of prophecies. His father, Omain, was quite an evil person who tried as much as possible to do as many sins as he can. He would study halakha, not to miss one sin. He was very mahadr to do every Aveda. And the last thing he'd be interested is to call his kid what Hashem said to call him. But nevertheless, there was a prophecy. And sure enough, he ended up giving the name Yeshio because that's what Hashem wanted. Now, what is the significance of the name Yeshio? Obviously, Hashem gave a prophecy. This is a very special name. What is the meaning of the name Yeshiyahu? It has Yeshiyahu has the Shin Yud Shai. It's a gift for Mizbeach. Yoi with Yoi is Yeshiyahu. Shai Hu Lefanecha. He is a gift to Hashem because his dedication to Hashem was something spectacular. Now, let's get back to the idea Yeshiyahu goes around the whole. Eretz Yisrael, destroying every idol, destroying every Asherah, everything that had to do with idolatry, and any idol worshiper was ripped out of his grave, was burned, was destroyed. The bodies of people who had served idols, and this was a prophecy of Hashem, that this is what Hashem wanted through Idai Hanavi that Yeshayahu should do. There's a prophecy of Idai Hanavi about Yeshayahu, that he would destroy Avedazare, he would burn graves of idol worshippers, of false prophets. Now, what's the story? Which graves did he actually burn? 
So we're going to go back now 300 plus years to the prophecy of Idoi Hanavi. This is in Melachim Aleph, Perak Yud Gimel, Vehine Ish Elikim, Bom Yehuda, Bidvar Hashem, El Beiskel, a prophet of Hashem, which Rashi says, and all the other commentaries say, this was Idoi Hanavi. He came from Yehuda, just to put it in historical perspective. At that time, it was right after the death of Shlomo, and the kingdom split in two. Rechavam was the king in Yehuda, and Yeravam and Nebat was the king in the northern kingdom in Israel of the ten tribes. And Yeravam was very concerned that the Jews would see that Rechavam is the main king, and they would, because Rechavam would be sitting in the base of Mikdash, he has to stand. Rechavam would read the Torah by Hakel. And therefore, he made two golden calves in Basel and in Don, and he put guards on the roads to stop people, Yeravim, to stop people from going to Yerushalayim for Yom Tif. And he also changed the festival of Sukkot from the 15th of Tishrei to the 15th of Cheshman. And meanwhile, an Ishelikim, a Novi, comes from Yehuda by the word of Hashem to Basel, which, by the way, he specifically made his Mizbeah in Beis Kel, because that had been a holy place where Hashem had appeared twice to Yaakov Avinu, and Yeravim is standing at the Mizbeach, he's ready to make Ketoyres on the Mizbeach that he made in Beis Kel. Yeravim had made two Mizbeachs, one in Don, which is the far north, and one in Beis Kel, which is the southern part of the northern kingdom. Now, he comes, and there's hundreds or thousands of people he doesn't address himself to the people. He talks to the Mizbeach, to the pile of stones. He calls out to the Mizbeach. Come on, stones in the Mizbeach, I have a message for you. And he says, Mizbeach, Mizbeach. Why does he say twice, Mizbeach, Mizbeach? Rashi brings that there's two Mizbeachs. There's one in Beis Kel where, where he was, and there's another Mizbeach in Don in the north, a few hundred kilometers to the north. And he says, Hashem, this is Hashem's message. There's going to be a son born to the house of David whose name is going to be Yeshio. He is going to shech all the Kayanim. Anybody who made any carbon for Avedazara, who burned things on, on this Mizbeah. And the bones of the man, and the man is talking about King Yeravim. But he doesn't want to identify King Yeravim. He gave him respect. King Yeravim is going to be ripped out of his grave, and they're going to burn King Yeravim's bones together with all the other on this Mizbeah. Now, how do you know this is going to happen? It's hundreds of years from now. So I'll give you a sign right now. Idoi Hanavi gives a sign right away. He says, this is the sign that Hashem predicted. The Mizbeach is going to rip in half. And all the Yeshes on it is going to spill. And Rashi says, The Novi, Idoi Hanavi gives a face a sign that it's going to happen, that right now you will see the Mizbeach splitting open and all the Yeshes falling. Yeravim, King Yeravim, hears the words of Idoi Hanavi that he spoke to the Mizbeach. He stretched out his hand. Lamer saying, Tifsuhu, grab him. He stretches out his hand, grab Idoyanovi. And just at that moment, Yeravim's hand gets paralyzed. Hashashalach, all of that he sent stretched out. 
Yerobam's hand is stuck in midair. He can't do anything with it. He can't move it. Now, interesting, Rashi points out, Yerobam is going against Hashem, doing all sorts of terrible things against Hashem, and nothing happened to him. As soon as he tries to get the Tzadik Idoyanovi, straight away he gets paralyzed. So Rashi says, Vativash Yodoy, Hashem takes more revenge for the glory of the tzaddik. He's and nothing happens. But he says he try, he tries to hurt the tzaddik, and his hand dries up right away. And the mizbeach nikrot splits open, and all the dash and all the yesha split, exactly like the sign that Ido Yanovi had predicted. And King Yeravim says to the Ishali Kim to Ido Yanovi. For me. Your hand, my hand come back. And the Novi Davins Tashem. And his hand comes back and he feels it's like it was in the beginning. Interesting that he says, Davin to Hashem, your God. Rashi says, Davin Tashem, your God. He's your God. He's not my God. Even when he's begging the Novi to daven for him, I don't identify with God, but daven for me anyway. Tell God, look, I'm really sorry, God, but I'm continuing to be sinful. But I beg you, God, even though I'm going to do everything against what you say, still have mercy. And Hashem does have mercy. And at the end of the Pasuk, we say, as soon as he gets healed, the moment Yeravim gets healed, he goes right away to survival. Sometimes a person has a miracle, so he gets better for a day, for a week, for a month. No, Yeravim doesn't even improve for one minute. The king tells the Yishali, Kim tells Idai, come to my house, I'll give you a present. And Idai Hanavi tells him, you'll give me half your household, I can't come. I can't eat bread, I can't drink water here, because Hashem commanded me on your whole trip to the northern kingdom. Don't eat any bread, don't drink any water, don't come back on the same road. And he went on a different road and he didn't come back on the same road that he went to Beiskil. And this is the prediction of Ida Hanavi that Ida Hanavi says that Yeshio is going to burn all the graves of the false prophets, of the idolaters, including the idols themselves, including the Mizbeach of Yeravim, including Yeravim's bones. And then we have the Pasuk and Melachim, Beis, Perekhof Gimel, a few hundred, 300 plus years later when it actually happens. When we have the King Yeshiyahu commands Chukiyo, the Kayin Godel, and all the other Kayinim to take out all the vessels which were used for the Baal and the Asherah, and they burned them all outside Yerushalayim, and they took all the earth, all this offer, all this dirt which were, was burned, was all taken to Beiskel, and Rashi says, Omokim Tomei, Beiskel was considered a contaminated place, which was quite amazing. Because Beis Kel was a place where in, in the Chumash, that's where Hashem appears to Yaakov Avinu twice. Nevertheless, Yerava made it the center of idol worship, and it became a contaminated place. That's where he destroyed the Mizbeach Yerava made. That's where he burned. The main center, Yeshio, is going and burning all the bodies of idol worshippers. Where is he burning it? The official burning place for every idol and every idol worshipper. Any idol anywhere in Eretz Yisrael, we're bringing it to base Kel to be burned on top of Yeravam's Mizbeah. And we're also burning the Kayane Habamis, the idol worshippers. And Vihishpis, it's a Kmodim. He destroyed the Kmodim, is the Kayane Abedazaras, as Mitzvah is seen. And also, 
all the people who had made gatherings for Yerushalayim, for idol worshiper, and all those who had made ketoides for the Baal, for the sun, for the moon, for any star, for any planet, and all the Asherahs, the Jabir trees are taken out outside Yerushalayim to Nachal Kidrin, and they're all burned, and they're all made thinned out to little earth, and the, uh, the earth of where it was all burned is all thrown to the Kever B'nai Ha'om, he says over here, Mitzvah David says that he burned it until it became thin earth. And the B'nai Ha'am, wherever the people who served Avedizad in their lifetime, it was put by their graves, they put all the Avedizadas. Then he broke all the Matzavis, the Ashadim, and he filled over there with Atzmeis Adam. Atzmeis Adam again, those who served idols, they were taken out of their graves and they were put in the place of the Ashadim, the Matzeva, to be insulted. And that's where they were all burned. And the Mizbeach in Beiskel, the major Mizbeach that Yerovah made, uh, that was also destroyed. And he was burned over there, ashes as well. Even though Rashi, Mitzvah's David says it wasn't in Yehuda, it wasn't in his kingdom, because Yeshio was the king of the southern kingdom. Nevertheless, he burned all the Avedazadas of all of Israel. Yeshio sees the graves there, and he takes all the bones of the graves in Beiskel, burns it on the Mizbeach, and he and makes it all impure with this Havedah everything as Idai Hanavi predicted. Now we come to the unusual grave, which we mentioned before. By Yoimer, Yeshiyahu says, What is this unusual grave that I see? And the Anshayoyer, the people of the city, tells him, This is the Navi Idai Hanavi who came from Yehuda, and he is the one who predicted that a king called Yeshiyahu would come and burn all the idol worshippers on their Mizbeach. And Radak brings, here's an amazing Radak. What is this unusual grave? Now, why was there this unusual grave? So he says, and to know this Radak, we have to know that after Idai Hanavi gave this prophecy, there's a Novi Zokin, an old Novi, which we're still going to have a whole discussion on who was this Novi Zokin. We'll see from our, from Gemara Babli, Gemara Yerushalmi, we will see who this Novi Zokin was. But this Novi Zokin commanded, Radak says, this Novi Zokin, it says in the Tanakh that the Novi Hazokin invites Idai to his house, and Idai says, I can't go. And the Novi Zokin says, I'm also a Novi, and Hashem told me you should come. Hashem canceled what he told you. And quite interesting that this Novi Zokin was such a convincing guy that Idai, who was a great tzaddik, fell for what he said, and he obeyed him. And then Hashem spoke to this Novi Zokin, and tells him, tell your friend Idoi that because he disobeyed me and he uh, ate in your house, he will never get back to Yehuda alive. He'll die on the way and he's eaten and he's killed by a lion, but the lion doesn't eat him. And then a story, as we know, is that Idoi Hanavi asks his children that they should bury Ido, the Novi Zakin says to bury Idoi on his property. And one day he wants to be buried in the same grave as Idoi. And he says over here at Adak, what is this unusual grave? Nira, it seems. The old Navi, and again, we're still going to have a whole thing on who this Navi Zokin is. He's got to be an impressive fellow. He convinced Idoya Navi. He commanded his children. This grave should have a Tzion Godel. It should have a massive monument. You go to the cemetery. And you see the monuments, and some are bigger, some are smaller. This should be the biggest monument in town. 
on my grave, the joint grave, which I'm going to have together with Edoi, I need the most massive monument. Ki yada, because he knew. Ki tiskayim nevuas hanavi. The prophecy of the Edoi hanavi is going to be fulfilled. As he said, ki it's going to happen. Vanovi omar, mashayasa yoshio, exactly what yoshio is going to do. Yeshio is going to take all the idolaters' bones from their graves. And this Novi Zokain is afraid that his bones are going to be taken out. He's going to get burned. I don't want my bones to be burned. I beg you, children. The Novi Zokain commands his children. I want to have a monument that's amazingly recognizable. The truth is he did have a recognizable monument. But later Hashem gave him the most amazing monument that half the grave was spices and half the grave was thorns. He knew they will not take Idei Hanavi out of his grave. What is this grave? And the drash we see that one half of the grave has thorns and one half of the grave has amazing spices. And that's why he asks Mo'atzi and Allah, because at Tzadik and Arusha were buried, a Novi Emes and a Novi Sheker, a true prophet and a false prophet, were buried together. Now, amazing, they asked the Ansheho'ir, the people of the city, and the people of the city gave the answer. By Yoim Ruayim of Ansheho'ir, Rashi says they had a tradition from the time that this Novi was buried, it's over 350 years. Still, there was a tradition, father to son, and they knew exactly who was buried there. And Yeshiyahu says, leave him. Every other idol worshiper we're killing, we're burning. In the whole Eretz Yisrael, only one idol worshiper remained, which was the idol worship, this Novi Zokin, who was buried in the same grave as Edom. Don't move his bones. Because they don't want to move the bones of Edom, the Novi Zokin, who was an idol worshiper, his bones also get saved. And Adak says, He was buried literally next to the Novi from Shemri. Now he was at that time he lived in Beiskel, but he came from Shemri as we spoke elsewhere. Now, what is the story of this Novi Zokin? Thousands, tens of thousands of idol worshippers, every one of them's bones are burned. Yeshio finds every one of all the thousands of idol worshippers for hundreds of years. How many people's grave gets spared? One, the Novi Zokin, the story of this Novi Zokin. First, we'll read the story from Tanakh, then we'll see from Gemara Babli and Yerushalmi more details on who he is. To briefly read the story from Elohim Aleph, Perak Yudalid, Yud Gimel, the Novi Yachad is living in Beiskel, and his children tell him the whole story that happened in Beiskel. And he says, which way did he go? And he saddled his donkey. The children saddled his donkey. He rode on it. And he comes and he finds the Edoi Hanavi sitting under a tree. And he says, are you the Novi who came from you? He says, I am. He says, come to my house to eat bread. He says, I cannot eat with you. Hashem gave me an instruction. Don't eat bread. Don't drink water. And don't go back on the same road. He says, don't worry. I'm a Novi like you. The Malach just spoke to me. The Malach told me. The Malach told me, bring him back to your house. He'll eat bread, he'll drink water. 
he lied to him. And somehow this Navi Zakein was so impressive. He looked very rabbinic and he impressed him and Ida went for it. And he sat with him and they ate bread and they drank water. And as they're sitting by the table, suddenly Hashem speaks to this false Navi. Quite amazing that this false Navi suddenly became a true prophet. Hashem spoke to him despite all the idol worship he did, not to Ida Yanavi. And he calls to the to Ida Yanavi and he tells him, so Hashem said, because you disobeyed Hashem, you ate and drank in the place where I was told you not to eat. Your, you will not come to your grave of your fathers after they ate and drank. He sat on the donkey for the, he, the Novi Sheker, the Novi Zoki, the false prophet, saddled the donkey for Idai Hanavi because he wanted to connect him. He was hoping this merit would help him. And as Idai is on his way home, a lion meets him and he kills him by him. However, the lion kills him but doesn't eat the body. And his dead body, Idai's body, is lying on the road. The donkey is standing there. The lion is standing there. The most amazing sight is a dead body on the road. And the donkey is right next to the body. And the lion is right next to the body. And people see there's a dead body there. The lion is there. Very unusual. The lion is not touching the donkey, not touching the dead body. Didn't just kill him. And they started speaking. And he hears about it. And he says, this is, the, this is Idai Hanavi, who Hashem gave him to a lion who broke him, but he killed him, but he didn't eat him. And he tells his son, saddle the donkey, and they saddle the donkey, and he found his dead body lying on the road together with the uh, donkey and the lion. The lion didn't eat the dead body, didn't break the donkey, and he put it on the chamer, on his donkey. He put Ida's dead body on his donkey, and he brought it to his city to make a eulogy, and he put the dead body of Ida in his grave, the grave that was intended for him, and he made a eulogy. He says, Hoyachi, whoa, my brother. I cause you death. After he buries him, he tells his children, when I die, you should bury me. I want to be buried in the same grave as Put his bones next to my bone. The prediction. says there's going to be a king Yeshio is going to rip out every idol worshiper from his grave, and I'm sure it's going to happen. All the Bati Habamis in the city of Shemunan are all going to be ripped out and destroyed, and by my being buried next to Idai Hanavi, I will be spared, and it did happen. Okay, that is the story from Tanakh. Now I want to see the story from the Gemara Talmud Bavli and Baba Basra and Talmud Yerushalmi and Brachis. In Baba Basra, Daf Kuf Tes Kuf Yud, we read, there is a story which everybody knows about Micha in the end of Sefer Shaftim. There's a story about Micha who made a pestle and he got a boy from Beis Lechem Yehuda, Levi, to become his Kayin, his Kayin Now, this guy here is a Levi here. He comes from Yehuda. What's going on here? So the Gemara ends up saying, Rava suggests it's a person called Levi. But the Gemara doesn't accept that because if so, what's the big deal? And Micha says, Hashem is going to be good for me because a Levi became a Kayin. You got a guy called Levi, what's the big deal? And also, is his name Levi? His name is Yehoinasan. The name of the Levi who was Micha's assistant, Micha hired a Levi to look after his idol, his name is Yehoinasan. As it says, Yehoinasan ben Gershon ben Menashe, who ubonav hayu Kayinim l'shevet hadoni. He and his children were the Kayinim for Shevet Don, 
who took over Micha's idol, they robbed Micha's idol. So he says, in any case, how can you say he's Ben Menashe? It says he's Ben Moshe because Moshe's children are Gershon and Eliezer. So in the end, the Gemara says this Yahina son, he was actually a grandson of Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu has a son, Gershon, which would be mentioned that the Medrash says that when Moshe married Sipaira, Yisrael put conditions, and he said, what's going to happen with education of the children? The first son will be educated on Yisrael standards. The second son would be educated on Moshe standard. And the first son, Gershon, was to be educated on Yisrael standards. Obviously, Yisrael believed in Hashem and was committed to Hashem. But nevertheless, at least at that time, Yisrael standard was not the same as Moshe standard. So this Yohannesan, the grandson of Moshe, believes in Hashem. But as we're soon going to see, he served the idols not because he believed in the idols, only for financial reasons. Because this grandson of Meshach Rabbeinu acted like Menashe, the Torah connects him to Menashe. The same thing is, he's connected, he did think he comes from Yehuda. We're calling, he comes, he lives in Yehuda, we call him, we call him Yehuda. Okay. Rabbi Yechanan says, from here we see that you have something bad, you take a messed up person. And that's why, because he messed up this Yohannesan, we say his grandfather's Menashe, we put an extra nun into Moshe Rabbeinu's name, which the nun in the, in the Tanakh is big, to show that it's really Moshe. Okay, it says over there, um, the people of Shevet, the people were coming, and they came to the house of Micha, and they meet his Kayin, Yohannesan, and he says, who brought you here? What are you doing here? What do you have here? What is this all about? Why are they so amazed? They said to him, what are you of all people doing as a aren't you a grandson of Moshe? It says by Moshe, don't come close to the burning bush. You have a Zaydim Moshe. Hashem spoke to him from a burning bush and you're a Kayin Lavei don't you come from what's in your hand? It was a stick and he throws it down, turns into a snake. Your Zayda was such a holy man. How do you come to have a Don't you come from Moshe where it says, So again, the word pay is used by Moshe and you're going to become a kain He says, what do you mean? I am a from Jew. I believe in Hashem. What do you think? I'm an Avedizad. I am Shemer Toyota Mitzvah. But I had a tradition. I heard from Moshe Rabbeinu. It's better to take a job by the Avedizadeh. I'm not with the Avedizadeh because God forbid. What do you think? I believe in idol worship? No way. I just need a living and the Avedizadeh pays well. Now, the who suffer, he thought when Moshe said it, it meant mamish, that it's better to work for the Avedizadeh, work for the church, than to um, ask for charity. But it's not true. When Moshe said Avedizadeh, he meant better than take charity, take a degrading profession. Like Rav says to Rav Kana, better skin carcasses in the market and get paid a proper wage. And don't say I'm a big man and it's degrading. And nothing should be degrading. An honest living should never be degrading but not, God forbid, for an Avedizadeh. Anyway, so he was involved with the Avedizadeh only for financial reasons. David saw that there's a grandson of Moshe Rabbeinu who loves money very much, and we're soon going to see. David is hundreds of years later. How come he lived so many years? 
Minohu al David put him in charge of his tre- treasury. As it says, Shavuel ben Gershon ben Menashe was Nogid al He was in charge of David's treasury. It's his name, Shavuel. His name was Yohanesan. But his name was changed to Shavuel. Sheshav lakel b'chol libam. When David HaMelech put him in charge of the treasury, he did Teshuvah because he never believed in Avedah Zadah. He was only with the Avedah Zadah because he needed money. Now he's working in the treasury. First of all, he gets paid. Second of all, working in the treasury, he liked to have a lot of money in his hand. So working in the treasury, he was dealing with a lot of money. So he felt good. So he did proper Teshuvah. Now, the Talmud Yerushalmi in Brachas, Perek Tes Halachabeis, brings Yohaneson ben Gershon ben Menashe. The Nunah, the word Menashe is Tluya, it's hanging. It's out of place. If you look in the a proper Tanakh, you'll see that Nun is Tuluya. Im if he merits, he'll be Ben Moshe. V'im Lav will be Ben Menashe. The Chavraya boy, they asked before the Pshuva Barnachim. How could it be? He's a Kaimer, he's a priest. He's an idol worshiper. How come Hashem made that he lived so many hundreds of years? Omar Loin, so he said to us, the Pshuva Barnachim answered, Al Yad Shoisa, Einoit Sarab Avedizadashalim. Yes, he served idols, but he was very stingy for the idol. Anytime somebody would bring a gift for the idol, he would say, what are you wasting your money on this idol? And why did Micha keep him on? Because for Micha, it was very good publicity to have a grandson of Meshach Abena working for his Avedizadah. His eyes was very cheap and his Avedizadah, a person would come to bring. A bird or a sheep or a goat to the Avedizada, he says, Pais appease the Avedizada. The guy would say to this guy, make the Avedizada good with me. He says, What do you mean? Why are you wasting your money on giving a sheep or a goat to the Avedizada? What do you think? By giving a carbon to this Avedizada, it's going to help. This Avedizada of mine, this idol can't see anything. Can't hear anything. It can't eat. It can't drink. It's not going to help you. It's not going to hurt you. So he says, What should I do? You know what? Make better for me. The Avedizada isn't going to help you. The Avedizada can't eat anything. But if you give me something, I eat well. Make me a peanut the silence and eat 10 eggs and bring it to me. And I will make the Avedizada feel good. And he would eat this wonderful meal. So he would get people, instead of bringing gifts to the Avedizada, gets wasted. Better give me gifts. I can use them better than the Avedizada. One time, a Barpachin, which is a person from a very foolish family, came and he gave him this whole thing. He says, if it doesn't do anything, what are you doing here? He says, what do you mean, what am I doing here? You think I'm here because I believe in the Avedizada? I'm here for Parnas. I'm only here for money. David Amela heard this, that he's only motivated with money. He brought him and he says, you're a son of that tzaddik and you're serving Avedizadeh. You're a grandson of Meish. So this Yohaneson tells David, I have a tradition from Isaiah. Better sell yourself for Avedizadeh. And don't be a beggar. So he says, That's not what Dov, what you misunderstood what your Zayd and Meish said. Meish said, do a degrading job. David, when David saw David saw how much this guy loved money. What did David do? He put him which is the He put him in charge of the treasury. And that's the pasuk that says, 
that Shmuel ben Gershon ben Menashe is nogel on Oitzos. And he's called Shmuel Sheshov Lokel. He did Shuvah Bechon Libay Bechol Kaiche with all his heart. And David put him as Nogid Allah Eitzreis, as in charge of all the treasures. Sheminuhu Altizbaydashal. He put him in charge of his treasury. So the Gemara asks, how can the Talmud Yerushalmi ask, how can you say that he did Shuvah? We learn that he went, that he was with the Abbaydazare, he and his children, Adgalais Ade, still the exile in the days of Bavil. So he says, Kivan Shemais David, when David died, Shlemei changed the whole staff, his whole cabinet staff. So as long as David was alive, he had a good job. When David died, he went back to the first thing. And that's why we find in the days of Yeravim, he's back to Avedizara, because Yeravim was paying very good money for the false Nevi'im, for the right price, he'll be a false Navi. And now we can also understand why he was able to convince Eli Hanavi because he was a big Tamad Chacham and he was very knowledgeable and very committed to Hashem. So he was able to convince Eli Hanavi and unfortunately, Eli Hanavi went for it. So just to summarize, so we have here the story of the unusual grave, which is the grave of Eli Hanavi together with this Yohainasan or Shavuel or Navi Zakein, whatever we will call him. And this is the reason for the unusual grave, just to mention, to finish with Yeshiyahu, that even though Yeshiyahu was a great tzaddik, it is mentioned that Yeshiyahu, he would check for Avedizara and people would hide the Avedizara. He didn't realize that the people in his generation were not doing tshuva with the same sincerity as he was. And later there was a war with Parai Nechai, the crippled Parai. And uh, Parai Nechai just wanted to go through his land to get to some other war. And Yeshio didn't want to let him. And he said, I'm going to come with, against you in a sword. And Yermio advised Yeshio not to go to this war. Yeshio said, it says that if we do what Hashem wants, and a cheref shalim is a cheref that's traveling from one country to the other and want to go through your country. But uh, Yeshio didn't realize Yermio, I know he tells him, don't do it, but he did it anyway, because he was sure that, that all his people were doing the right thing. But the Midrashim and Gemaras go in detail to say how Yeshio would send people to check for Avedizadah and how people manage with all sorts of ways to hide the Avedizadahs. So in the end, Yeshio went to this war with Parai Nechai and he was killed with 300 uh, different stabbings. And we have in the Kinnis that we say on Tishaba, we have the whole thing of Ayakainin, Yermio al Yeshio. And uh, the main thing is, however, that Yeshio was a great tzaddik who did amazing things. And Yeshio, just to go back, that we said that he was shy, he was a gift to Hashem. And in the schos of Yeshio and other tzaddikim, Hashem is going to bench us. We just had, um, just to mention that today's Hayyim Yoyim is to learn the seven lessons of Avedis Hashem from Aganiv. Yesterday was Bezir and So I wish everyone a lot of Atzlocha. I'm going to. Uh, take questions now, anybody, any questions, comments, and wishing everybody well.